104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Once again, we are in the studio for another round of Ned Talk on this December 27th. Two days after Christmas, I'm joined, as always, by Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you? How was your Christmas? The Christmas was very, very nice, as I trust yours was, too. And it we was, hope everyone who listens to us has had a most enjoyable holiday. It was very good. Stormy Davis is with us today. Stormy, how was your Christmas? It was a great one. I had a great day, and the nephews were happy, so I'm happy. So The, the truly important question is, did you eat too much? <laughs> Stormy's nodding. Ned's just... Just giggling. No, there are two two facets to that equation. One is eating too much, and the other is the other facet, which I may have done. <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't ask about that. Let's get right into things today and uh, find out who's hot in the NFL. It's brought to you by All Service Air Service. Well, my opinion, the, the it's not so much as who's hot as who's cold. And boy, the Arizona Cardinals have fallen on evil days. They may have just fallen right out of the playoffs. Watch out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They come on big yesterday, a record-setting day for Tom Brady. Scores, what, 41 points in the first half in their game, wow. going to a 47-7 win over the Detroit Lions, who are in shambles at the well, moment. Well, yeah, you said they were playing the <laughs> Detroit Lions. Yeah, they were. And uh, boy, the, the way that franchise is morphing, it's, it's headed down to really bad days. Uh, but other teams that are beginning to play well, the, I think the Los Angeles Rams may be coming in despite their loss to the New York Jets a couple of weeks ago. They they may be rounding into form. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs are right there at the top of the list. Uh, their game today notwithstanding, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But like those teams, this is going to be an interesting playoff. Another team that has gone cold so markedly is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They just can't oh, yeah. get anything yeah. right. And the Cleveland Browns have been hit with a COVID outbreak. They're going to try to play today, but they won't have many of their players. They'll have enough to fill the team, fill a roster, but uh, it won't be any or many of their regulars. Four wide receivers out today, so I don't know who uh, Baker Mayfield is going to throw to today. but Maybe nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a lot of running today. Stormy, who you got for hot in the NFL right now? Oh, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Um, this is a team that nobody seems to be really talking about. You've got a few of the obscure talking heads from the uh, four-letter network and uh, a couple of the Internet stuff that are that are pushing them. But uh, I, don't, I just don't see a lot of the majors uh, talking about this team. And right now, the Bills are very hot, and they're looking very powerful for the postseason. Good-looking football team. Man. Yes. They were a really good-looking football team. I, I agree with you, Ned. I think there's a, a lot of cold teams right now. Yes. I'll tell you why nobody's talking about Buffalo. It's because they did at the beginning of the year and then went through a situation in which I think soured a lot of the pundits. Now they've played perhaps not quite the strong schedule that some of the others have uh, been able to encompass. And as a result, they are winning. They haven't proven themselves against some of the big-timers. Kansas City has case in point because they got run out by them. Let's talk about uh, another team that fell off and went cold after the only team to beat the Chiefs this year, the Oakland Raiders. They're out of the playoffs as of yesterday. Where's the jar for $10? Oh, sorry. Gosh, <laughs> oh, he did it. <laughs> he yeah. did. He yeah. said Oakland. Las Vegas shame Raiders. On you, shame. <laughs> the Vegas Raiders. <laughs> yes. So, that, yeah, they're, uh, they're out of the playoffs as of yesterday because of a, a field goal the Miami kicked to win the game. Very yeah. inconsistent football team. Yep. They have capabilities. This is a team that can do 
a lot of damage if they were to remain healthy, remain disease-free, and to concentrate on what they're doing. But for some reason, they go through these periods where they're just awful. And now, you know, they beat the Chiefs. They look great that day, had the drive around the ballpark and all that sort of thing. And now they lose to and lose big Lose big to a team the Chiefs are playing today that's, what, 4-9, and 4-10, and ten, whatever they yep. are. Yep. Let's, before we get to that, let's talk about, uh, real quickly, who do you think the Raiders quarterback will be next year? Will it be, uh, will it be Marcus Mariota or will no, it be Carr? No, Mariota has already had a chance to prove himself with other teams, Tennessee and, and now the Raiders, and Carr still continues to emerge. Carr's, Carr's not the problem. He's a good quarterback. He's uh, very astute with his passing and can engineer a good a level of attack. It's their line play that's been very inconsistent. Their running game has been inconsistent. Defense, same thing, very same thing. Good one week, very mediocre the next. Gruden has to get a hold of that team, get them together, and say, look, this is how we're supposed to play. Now, in all honesty, I have a team they're, – they're, they're a team that's psychologically warped. You know, they had their problems in Oakland for so many years, and here they go to Las Vegas with a brand-new – Almost two billion dollar stadium, and nobody's there. Yeah, yeah. So we'll. I'm. I think the judgments in reserve on them as far as the future is concerned. But I can see where they would be a big time power, maybe beginning next year, and maybe with the emotional influence of crowds. Let's talk about last week's game, New Orleans and the Chiefs. I uh, my first take on the game. Not impressed with New Orleans, but part of that could be the fact that um, Drew Brees had been out for a while. Things look a little out of sync. He doesn't have his number one receiver. But I was just not impressed with them overall as a team, especially in the offensive side of the ball. The Chiefs really were smothering at times on that team. Well, I think you hit it right on the nose. He was five weeks out of play, very rusty. The timing certainly was not there. They were missing passes, not just dropping them. They were missing them. They were being overthrown and going wide and things like that. And that plays right into Kansas City's strength right there. You're making errors, and Kansas City will capitalize on every single mistake that you make. And as a result, they did. And yet they could not put New Orleans away. Matter of fact, I want to mention something about the Chiefs that I found very interesting. They are the first pro football team in history to win six consecutive games by one score. Now, you think about that. This winning streak that they've gone through, this nine-game winning streak, six of them in a row have been by by one score. Well, that's fine because they're, they're winning. They're capable of winning, and they're doing the winning. But they are not blowing teams away. That may be their... Their modus operandi, or it may be the fact that there are some vulnerabilities. We'll talk more about that. So, Ray, what do you what did you think about the game last week? Um, I'm with you guys. We did not see the best of Drew Brees by any shape or form. And uh, having that time off, I I said this a couple of weeks ago. I thought they should have gone ahead and kept him off of that game, let him heal up more because this is this was a game that was a potential, you know, Super Bowl matchup between these two teams and. Uh, to have him at just half speed just to put him in there for confidence, it, it just wasn't right. I don't think he was ready, and I certainly wouldn't have put him back in there that quickly against the number one team in the league. And it was just, a very as Ned said, a very disappointing outing by the New Orleans Saints. I think we'll see a very different Saints team in the playoffs, though. You're listening to Ned Talk. I'm 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. I'm with 
Stormy Davis, Ned Reynolds, I'm Joe Weston. We're discussing last week's game, the Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints, before we get to this week's game. But um, what about the other big shocker last week? The Jets actually won yeah, a game. Jets My won goodness. A game. Yeah, they did. Against a team that is a contender for the postseason, in fact. I mean, that's just <laughs> for, for all of them to beat. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, disappointing a lot of Jets fans. They were hoping they'd. They'd lock up that number and one it, spot. And it, it, has, it has bumped them back on the uh, potential draft picks as well. Yeah. So Let's talk about that New Orleans game just a little bit longer. I've said for the last couple of weeks, the only team that can beat the Chiefs is the, the Chiefs. Chiefs. And they um, came pretty close last week because they gave, uh, I think you and I, when we were doing the morning show this week, I think we tallied it up something like 19 points to New Orleans. There was the, the muffed punt. There was the uh, the fumble late in the uh, in the third quarter. Was it third or fourth quarter? I think it was in the fourth period. Fourth period, but they had. And then there was the the kind of silly play where they didn't get themselves set in time, or they didn't. Andy Reid didn't throw a flag to contest a play that probably should have been contested. New Orleans lined up and got a big play out of it. Otherwise, they had been stifling. But I felt again that there's just little things that are wrong with this team. And I think if you listen to Andy Reid talk, he's going to tell you that the team needs to clean it up as they go into the playoffs. That can cost them when it gets down to the playoffs because it is a different animal altogether from the postseason. Uh, in the case of New Orleans, just keep in mind some of the things that they did, especially in the second half in this game, put a huge couple of hits, one in particular on Patrick Mahomes. They get to him again in in a playoff situation and, well, there could be dire circumstances, but I think Mahomes was dazed after all that had happened. I know he had the wind knocked out of him. You could see that, but he also wasn't really with the program when he came back on the field again. All right, that's one. And, of course, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being yep. knocked out yep. of there with the with the injury. That is all part of football. We mentioned and have all season long and inclusive of last week's show how very fortunate Kansas City has been this year in avoiding very serious injuries. Well, now they have one with uh, Edwards Hilaire. He's finished for the rest of the regular season. Uh, could be back possibly in uh, in playoff competition. I, I suspect he will be if they need him. But you have Le'Veon Bell. He's not the Le'Veon Bell of the past and won't be. But Edwards Hilaire could come back maybe game, well, game one for the Chiefs, which would be in three or four weeks. He may be healed by that time. But the fact is, that a defense like New Orleans, which is pretty good, was able to get through and put some big hits on Kansas City and disrupt their attack to some extent. After all, the score, guys, was what, 33-29, to 29, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's a close game and one that was in doubt right to the very end. Let me ask you this question, twofold question, is uh, how big of an injury is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and how big of a pickup is Le'Veon Bell at this point in the season? We're going to find out about Bell today when he goes up mm-hmm. against the Atlanta Falcons. As far as the injury is concerned, I don't know how uh, – first of all, I don't know if he's ever been injured, he being Edwards-Hilaire, uh, very seriously in the past. This is a pretty good little injury now, although he is fortunate and there were no fractures and no torn ligaments or tendons. That is a plus. He can recover. He's a very tightly muscled kid, and those kids usually take a little bit longer to come back from any kind of injury status. 
Case in point is Tyreek Hill. He may not play a whole lot today because he does have a hamstring problem depending on the outcome of the game. But the fact is that Edwards Hilaire, they need him because he's such a strong power runner with those great legs. Not very big. He's 5'7", 5'8", and that low center of gravity gives him an advantage over some of these guys going after him high who have to get down low to get him, and he won't let that happen, not with those legs. But he's compromised at the moment. Whether or not he's able to come back, only he and the trainers know. Le'Veon Bell's a different type of runner. I've been really impressed in just the short amounts of time that I've seen him play for the Chiefs because the big difference with him is he's a pile mover. He's a guy that when he hits that line, mm-hmm. if there's a if there's a crowd there, he can push through a little bit, get two or three yards when that's not really Hilaire's game. Well, in, no, in a sense it is, though, because of the leg power that Edwards Hilaire has. Le'Veon Bell's bigger. Uh, a little bit slower uh, these days, and he is more of the stop-and-go and finesse and juke-and-jive type individual. That's that's where, really where Bell, both at Michigan State and with the Pittsburgh Steelers, made his name. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be a good substitute, no question about that. They didn't get him to sit on the bench, so he'll more than likely, whatever runs Kansas City has today, will, will, he'll figure into that in uh, – very many, many moments, but I'm, I'm wondering how many runs they'll take because <laughs> Atlanta's pass defense is number 31 of 32 NFL teams. And he's a little banged up, too. This is Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. he has yeah. a shoulder problem, uh, but, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is. Uh, this is the time of the year when they're all banged up. Everybody has the bumps and the bruises, and you just have to get over it. That's part of the game. Yeah. Stormy, your thoughts on uh, Le'Veon Bell and... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Well, I think Ned was right on this. Is Le'Veon Bell is one of those pile movers. You know, he gets in there, he can pressure through for a couple more. I think that uh, <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably should start developing that leg strength to be a jumper, you know, to soar over some of these piles like we've seen some players do in the past. I think he's big enough, Stormy. Um, At 5'7", or 5'8", whatever it is, you need a taller guy to be able to leap over them. Uh, his Edward Solaire will be the type of guy who generates the power from his legs and just blasts into people the same as Bell does, although he's not as big. Uh, but jumping over him would be a bit, of a bit of a problem for him, I think. Well, I mean, I, I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility of what, you know, different he could do on that. But, you know, again, we're not going to see him today in the game anyway. But I think Bell's going to have to step up. We're going to have to see what Kelsey does. And I'm going to put a lot of faith today in the defense and the special teams I think this is going to be a lot of their game to try to help win for the team. Exactly. You know, one of the things you were talking about, Le'Veon Bell, one of the things I've really noticed in his running style, the word that comes to my my mind when I watch him is he's patient. He'll stop behind the line, mm-hmm. watch something develop a little bit, and then take off. He's really, really good at that. That's what I say with the stop-and-go yeah. level of running that he had with the Steelers. That's where he made his name because he has that – that special football sense that you have to have to be able to determine which way the flow is going to go and then make the most out of it. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. They've had a very uh, up-and-down season, mostly down, but they have uh, had a couple of impressive wins. They played really well until last week when they uh, they were up 17 nothing. We talked about doing the show. We had the late game. So we were doing the show. We were watching halftime scores, and they were up 17 nothing on the Bucks. And then, of course, the Bucks turned it on in the second half and the won that game. Defense. They have yeah. their defense. is just not very good at all, Atlanta's. They can score, but other teams can score against them. Uh, witness Tampa Bay. 
uh, last week, just piling it up at the end to get the victory out of it. But, hey, keep in mind the Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan back there will score. They have a good core of receivers, although Julio Jones is out now. He won't, he won't play. But the other receivers in there, Calvin Ridley out of Alabama and Russell Gage, he not, doesn't have a big name, but Russell Gage is another of the core of great receivers out of LSU who've come in there. Those guys are capable, and Kansas City's defensive backfield, good but not great. Uh, Atlanta can, I think, cut through them. Atlanta won't be able to run the ball on them. Ito Smith is their top runner. Now, they do have Todd Gurley on the ball club, but he's been banged up and compromised a little bit and now is running second team. Ito Smith. Say, I've never heard of Ito Smith. And neither have I. <laughs> he, he, is, uh, he is getting the starting running back position. It's a kid out of Southern Miss who they drafted and has shown some level of capability, but is a long, long way to go. And their running game isn't very good. They will go to the air, count on that, may score. They may score quite a bit against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs will certainly outscore them without any question. You think this is? A, I'll ask both of you this question. Do you think that this is has trap game written no, on it? You no, don't? I do not know. Stormy, I do because of the injuries, the potential they have. But again, like Ned said, we we should outclass this team pretty easily. Plus the fact that both on offense and defense, Atlanta has really poor stats when it comes to red zone. And if we can take control of that for both sides of the game, yeah, we'll handle it very easily. But it does have its it does have its wait tiny minute, potentials to make. Uh oh, here we go again. How can you say they're going to handle a game easily and yet it's a trap game? You just contradicted. No, I, I said it <laughs> has little tiny potentials. It shouldn't be one, but I'm I'm not counting anything. After the Jets won over the Rams last week, I'm not counting anything out of this season. Come on. Let's uh, talk about this for just a second, that the uh, Chiefs do have something to play for today. If they win, they wrap up number one seed mm-hmm. for the AFC, so they would get the bye. There's only one bye this year, and they would get home field advantage all the way. I don't know really how much that that's worth going in. With no crowd. With no crowd <laughs> and just home cooking. That's all that that is. But they do have something to play for today. What do you what do you expect to see out of the Chiefs as far as their lineup goes in Two-fold. today's game? Twofold. They start the game, of course, with all their regulars. Of course, they're going to. And again, Tyreek Hill may not be one of them. He has a, a tweaked hamstring, and you're in the situation now where you do not want to put anybody at risk who's going to be a big factor in your playoffs. So having said all that, they start their regular unit until such time in the game that Andy Reid and the coaching staff said, hey, we have this game won, it's over, we've clinched, so we'll put the other guys in and, and rest them. And I do. if that happens, and I'm assuming it will, if not here, then with some of the other games that figure into the uh, standings and the mathematical formula that they have on this, uh, next week I would, I would look for the regulars to play maybe one series or maybe a quarter, and then uh, the subs to take over. Stormy, what do you think Andy's game plan is for today? Well, speaking of Tyreek, he did not practice on Wednesday and was limited on Thursday and Friday, so I I agree with Ned completely. I think the best thing to do is use him in a limited capacity just to keep him safe and injury-free. But I think, like I said, I'm I'm putting a lot of my weight this week's game on the defense and the special teams uh, to make some disru- extra disruptions and maybe even put some points on the board. Interesting. Interesting. It should be an interesting game. We're about 20 minutes. I take that back. We're about 40 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. It's Ned Talk. I'm 104.7 The Cave. 
back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Yes, it is. Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave. Joe Weston with Stormy Davis and Ned Brinnells. And this is the part of the show where <laughs> this is a great time of year if you're a uh, if you're a football fan because there's just so many bowl games, so much college football on almost every day. And this is the time when we talk about what's brewing in college football. It's brought to you by Arctic Food Equipment. Well, we'll talk a little bit about some of the bowl games that took uh, place last week. They were lower-level bowl games with involved teams that are not headline makers. Good games, you know, Georgia Southern getting a win and uh, Brigham Young blowing away Central Florida. Brigham Young, one of the best teams in the country that flew under the radar this year, and in a sense, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's their own fault because they are an independent uh, if they had been in a league, it would have been a different story altogether. They might have gotten a really classy bowl game, but they weren't, and they aren't. They're going the what they want to do is follow the Notre Dame route of things, and uh, may or may not work. But be that as it may, very good team. Now we begin to improve on the level of the headliners in the bowl games, but I do want to get to one that was played last night, and these are two of the young up-and-coming football programs in the country that have emerged into the top 25. They were to have played, this is Coastal Carolina and Liberty, they were to have played at the end of the season in a regularly scheduled game. And it was supposed to be a great game. Everybody looking forward to it, both undefeated. Well, that's not true. Liberty had lost a game by one point to North Carolina State on a field goal. So they had the one loss. But Coastal Carolina undefeated, looking great, beaten Brigham Young by one point. And the game got COVIDed out. Yeah. They didn't play it. That's why... Coastal Carolina played against Brigham Young. So we go to the bowl season, and they have the Cure Bowl down in Florida last night. <laughs> what? The, the Cure, Cure bowl. bowl. Well, it's it's uh, uh, breast cancer related. Okay. All right. That's good, but it's just an oh, odd name. What well, is? But uh, I, I, have, I have visions of the band, the Cure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, they come up with a game, and they decide to match these two teams for the first time. Well, not the first time they played, but the first time this year in their elevated status. Great game. Coastal Carolina, the favorite. Liberty comes in. Liberty out of Lynchburg, Virginia. Jerry Falwell established the college. They go in and take a lead, and Coastal Carolina cuts into it. I'm watching just bits and pieces of this, but I get down to the very end, and this is something that you only read about in storybooks, but it happened. Okay, now keep in mind now, Liberty has the lead, and they have the ball uh, on the five-yard line, I beg your pardon, the game's tie, 34-34. They have the ball on the five-yard line with a minute left to play. The one thing they don't want to do is score a touchdown right away. They want mm-hmm. to bleed that clock and then kick a winning field goal. Everybody in the ballpark knows this is going to happen. They're right there ready for it. So what does the runner do on the first one? He gets the ball and uh, stops. He stops in the backfield and then puts a knee down. Okay, great loving this second play same thing hand the ball nobody tries to tackle him nobody like that he's standing there waiting and then i guess he just lost control and i've got a chance at a touchdown here to put this thing really away goes runs into the pile and fumbles it oh Oh my god with 30 (laughs) seconds to go he fumbles the ball they just fumbled away a chance to kick a winning field goal all right, it's only 30 seconds, so Coastal can't reply to that. Game goes to overtime. 
and Liberty wins it on the field goal in overtime. So justice does prevail in oh, this case. Lord. But can you imagine this? It reminded me so much. That's the miracle of the Meadowlands occurring right there. You guys are too young to remember that, but 1980. Oh, the, no, I oh, remember you it. You remember it? Yeah. yeah you remember, I remember who uh, picked up the uh, the football for the Harold, Wasn't it Harold Carmichael? No. no was, or who was um, it's um, Former Kansas City Chiefs coach, guys. Uh, yes, I can't think of his name right now. Playoff. No, no, it's uh, coaching at Arizona Ed, State Union. Herman Edwards. Herman, Herman Edwards. Edwards. Herman That's Edwards right. came in. He picked up the fumble. And all the quarterback had to do for the Giants is take a knee, but he turns and he hands it off, and it's a bad handoff. And here's Herm Edwards comes in, picks it up, goes about 40 or 50 yards for the touchdown. And I remember the smile on Dick Vermeil's face because that would have knocked them out of the playoffs. And <laughs> miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> you see those. And it's it, it, there's been a couple of uh, couple of Hail Marys that have worked this year, too. Mm-hmm. There was one in that uh, in the NFL game last week, but it didn't mean anything. But the, it was a Hail Mary that worked. Yes, that is that is correct. Uh, there have been some. This is just a strange year. Do you want to talk about some of the games that are coming up this week? Because yep. this is when the more headline teams get involved in the action, including next Friday when the national championship semifinals will be held. I'm going to avoid them for a second or two because Tuesday, some pretty good games on Tuesday, including Oklahoma State-Miami, which should be a very good football game. Mm-hmm. But I'm concentrating more a little bit on Wednesday. It's a whole string of bowl games on Wednesday that are going to be pretty good, but two that are particularly impacting in my mind. One is my uh, Missouri and Iowa. They never play. Never play. Don't, haven't played in the regular season for 100 years. Did play in a bowl game 10 years ago or 20 years ago. 10 years ago. 10 years ago it was. Iowa won, but it was a good competitive game. They are playing. They're playing in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Iowa is a two-touchdown favorite. Wow. Missouri's not that bad, guys. They can they can they can come back and give Iowa a pretty tough time, if not beat them. That's the one. The other one is the Cotton Bowl. It is being played on Wednesday, two days before New Year's Day, and the Cotton Bowl is one of the games that's designated as a playoff game in alternate years. Okay, the Cotton Bowl is not played in the Cotton Bowl anymore. It's played at Jerry Jones little playpen down in Arlington, Texas. Used to be played at Cotton Bowl Stadiums. Why do they call it the Cotton Bowl? Mm-hmm. This year, it's Florida with Kyle Trask, one of the top draft choices against Oklahoma. That should be a good and game. And then Spencer Rattler. These teams, you hey, you may blow a fuse on the scoreboard in this one. It could go way out of line, like a 50 to 48 or something like that because they're going to put the ball in the air especially Florida. Florida scored 46 on Alabama, folks. Yep. And uh, Oklahoma, after a slow start, has really come on. And the Rattler kid, who is a redshirt freshman, is really e- evolving into a really top-notch college quarterback. That will be – that's a late-night game, too. Oklahoma and, and Florida, that'll be a dandy. There are others later on, the national championship semifinals coming up on Friday. Everybody knows about that. Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, Notre Dame – and the winners go to the national championship. So that's all on the college football agenda, plus some really other great attractions. What's your? Let's get your picks. I think you kind of alluded to it last week, but anything change your mind on who you pick in the national championship game? It, no, I don't see how they can avoid. Everybody in the world is picking Alabama Clemson for the championship, and I just can't see how that's not going to happen. Of the two semifinal games, 
I would have to think, in all honesty, that Ohio State has a better chance of beating Clemson than Notre Dame does of beating Alabama. Alabama is the best team in the country. I don't care what anybody says. That's not to say they're going to win the national championship because anything can happen. But for the stable of athletes, for the runners, for the passing attack that they have, Mac Jones is a really skilled quarterback. He's done a great job. Uh, they just come up with player after player after player. I just can't see how anybody's going to beat them. Stormy? I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. Alabama's going to win the national championship. So I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it out there. I think that's a good one. But I, I would love to see the reverse on these with switching opponents on these playoff games. Um, just it seems like it would be uh, a better chance at possible different outcomes. But it, right now, Clemson and Alabama, they're just so dominant with everything. It, this, is, this is why they, I think Josh brought it up last week. We, we need to see an eight-team playoff or better because it just widens the field. It gets more uh, potential for different games, different matchups, and it just will be better overall for fans and everybody else, I think. So. There has been some criticism about, hey, the same teams are always playing. People are yeah. getting tired of that. Well, I disagree with that, people getting tired of it. But if there is some level of apathy about the same two teams in there, the answer is get better. Start challenging uh, these teams, for heaven's sake. Yeah, it's so hard, though, with the money. I mean, that's the biggest part of the problem. I mean, it, it's the, it's you know, but you're a Cardinals fan in baseball, and I hear Cardinals fans complain all the time about the Yankees and the Dodgers having so much money. It's the same thing. I'm going to correct you a bit. I'm, I'm not a Cardinals fan. You're a Phillies fan. fan no, but, you know. no, I'm objective in everything, <laughs> except for the Phillies, and that's God's team. Everybody knows. <laughs> no, the fact of the matter remains, though, sure, the richer teams are going to get richer, and the ones that have established a credibility are going to continue to and get bigger and bigger. It doesn't last forever. New England Patriots are a case in point. Well, that's true. Stormy, we heard Josh talk about it last week. I want to get your take on it. Ohio State. Uh, again, I okay, they're a good team, but I still don't see them uh, qualifying for the playoffs just because of the number of games they played. You know, that's got to work into a factor where some of these uh, leagues jumped on the bandwagon last minute, and it did cause some of them to have some issues with getting teams ready and getting them out on the field. And I think that the the NCAA uh, should have a core leader at the point who can make a final decision and say, look, you, you made your decision. You're going to have to live with it. And it, it's one year, you know, where teams or leagues might have said, you know, we, we're going to sit out and we're going to wait till the fall or, or the spring, sorry. And somebody should have stepped up and said, you know what? You made your call. The trouble is it's not an NCAA decision. It was I know. each of the conferences made their decision, and the Big Ten, which initially said six wins, six games, you have to play six games, and when Ohio State didn't play those six, it was the Big Ten that said, well, let's rethink this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so, no. Exactly. Uh, it's but, the most manipulated leader, sport. A leader would uh, uh, probably conjure up thoughts of a czar like Major League Baseball has now with Mr. Manfred. Uh, it, this is the first year that's going to be the case. He is it, guys. Yeah. Now you say, wait a minute, he always was. The commissioner always was. Oh, no. no, the commissioner was not. There was a head of minor league baseball, but no longer. That ended in September. Mr. Manfred and Major League Baseball has charge of everything. And that's what you're espousing there in college football, uh, very much like a Goodell in the NFL. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know whether that would work or not, considering the diverse numbers of conferences and geographic parts of the country we're in. I just think there might be some level of difficulty there. But decisions have to be made, and in this case, in a pandemic year, decision was made. We are 23 minutes. We are 20 minutes away. We are 20 minutes. 20 away. minutes away <laughs> from the start of the pregame show. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Big game today for the Chiefs looking for the number one spot in the AFC. With the victory over the Atlanta Falcons, we'll have kickoff a little bit after noon. Pre-game show starts in 19 minutes. Let's check in with Stormy to find out about that injury report. It's brought to you by Morrison, Webster, and Carlton. Well, we got a lucky break this week. The inactives, uh, official inactive list has been released uh, just a second ago. And, of course, Clyde Edwards-Alaire right on the top of the list. And um, Bo Keys still out, as well as... Uh, DeAndre Bader, Damian Wilson, linebacker off the defense. That'll be a bit of a loss for us. Now he's been out, though. so that's... Oh, he has. He has. But uh, also uh, Martinez Rankin, Tim Ward, and Khalid Saunders. And I need to start bringing my glasses in more when I come in to read this stuff. <laughs> but, no, uh, also, like I mentioned, uh, Tyreek will probably be on limited play today, although he is going to be playing. Uh, but we'll have to see what he does and how much uh, Big Red decides to use him or leave him out to, to save him up for later on. That's the key, really, Ned, isn't it, going into these games, these last couple of games? They want to lock up this last hurdle that they have here, but they also want to stay healthy. Yeah. Well, you, you of course, you stay healthy by, of course, avoiding injury. But when you play the game and avoid injury, you open yourself up to injury. And that's exactly. happened time and time and time again. But I'd look for Kansas City, though, to limit the playing time, certainly next week. Once they have this thing wrapped up against the – when they play the Chargers, I cannot see any of the regulars playing any more than just a little bit in that ballgame and then getting the backups in there and letting them complete the season. Because, after all, there's too many valuable pieces of property to risk playing in a meaningless game. Let's also find out about Stormy's fantasy pick. It's brought to you by Fazoli's. Uh, this week I'm going to go with another defensive player. I'm kind of in that mode this week uh, with Seattle Seahawks. Quandre Diggs, who's a safety for them, plays out of te- play, came out of Texas, got four interceptions, nine pass deflections, which he's tied up with our own Tyron Matthews in that category. But he seems to be an up-and-coming disruptor uh, for that team for this year. And the Seattle Seahawks still have some good potential for postseason play. So that's my one for today. You always ask the guy who doesn't even play fantasy football to pick this up. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Ned. Uh, as we've we're in the final stages of the season, last two games, some teams have already played one of those games. Who do you see as being the biggest threat to the Chiefs? First of all, in the AFC, and then the team. I know who you're going to pick in the NFC. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. But <laughs> but the biggest threat to them in the AFC, and the biggest threat in the Super Bowl in the American Conference. I really, I can't really perceive of anybody who is a very dangerous football team to them. They've already done away. The Baltimore Ravens, I guess, would have to fall into that category. Uh, That's a healthy Baltimore Ravens team, but heck, the Chiefs beat a healthy Baltimore Ravens team earlier this year. And they're on the bubble still, am I correct about that? They are. They don't have things clinched, but I do think they will get in. The Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills are certainly 
a threat to them, but I don't really perceive them as being major threats to them because the Chiefs have already defeated those teams once this year. Now you get into the NFC, and while the Chiefs have come up with some very big wins in the NFC in the Super Bowl game, I think probably the Saints, Seahawks, not so much the Seahawks as as a viable threat, but if they were to get in there, they'd be tough. But the Saints and the Green Bay Packers, I think, would probably be the chief threats to them. How good are the Packers? Pretty good. Pretty good. When you have an Aaron Rodgers back there and ready to run his attack, no, he is not the mobile quarterback that Mahomes is, but he's a smart, wily veteran who knows what to do and what how to engineer a winning attack, and they have. And he's been in the Super Bowl, as has Mahomes. One occasion, well, Rodgers has plenty of experience to go on, and he's the team that I fear him and the Saints more than anybody else. Stormy, who are your picks for those? Oh, for me, like I, I said this earlier, if we face a healthy Saints team, we could see a much different game than we saw last week. Um, and same with uh, the Ravens. And uh, but in the long term, I think you know we got to see what Buffalo ends up doing um, and where they go with with their team. Because yes, like I said, several of these talking heads uh, have actually got them ranked above the Chiefs in their top uh, ten lists, and which is. Ned over there laughing, which I agree is a little bit funny. Yeah, um, but I I see I see kind of a bit of a madness in their method in that they're picking this team as a surprise threat, a someone they may take a little too lightly who could step up and shock a team here or there. That's why they're talking heads without any brain power involved. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like a, like a blind squirrel finding a nut. Once in a while, one of them gets it right. And yeah, maybe in what is this? What are we going? Maybe in twenty thirty two or something like that. <laughs> Just a little bit of breaking news. Dwayne Haskins will start in place of Alex Smith today with the calf injury. Dwayne Haskins made news this week. He, um, well, had some pictures taken of himself, which when you hear that, when it comes to an athlete, pictures taken, you um, you know it's going, it's going down the bad, going down a bad route. Actually, he was, this is a little bit, a little bit different from the bunk shot that Haskins, he, was, he was uncovered in terms of his facial mask. I assume that's what it in terms of in a uh, gentleman's club. Strip you, club. You, well, that's what it was. Strip had, club. I think he had strippers on his lap, or one at least on his lap. <laughs> that's and why he didn't we're hoping it was just the face mask that he was missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was stripped of his uh, his captaincy, and he uh, it was in doubt whether he would start today or not. I think if Alex Smith was healthy, that he would be starting for Washington, which is, you know, they play pretty decent football lately, and they may be the... They may be the class of the uh, NFL East. Haskins is an interesting story. He he came in. He he's supposed to be the the godsend for the Washington Ball Club. And Alex Smith over the hill. Well, Alex has been doing the quarterbacking now, and and Haskins has kind of uh, dwindled to the side. He was you know a fine player at Ohio State. I wouldn't consider him to be a great player. Well, the Washington team thought he was and drafted him pretty high. But here's a kid who needs to G-R-O-W-U-P pretty damn fast because this is professional. You're getting a paycheck. You can't afford to get into antics the way he was. Alex Smith, a man among men. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Absolutely. You just can't say enough good stuff about Alex Smith, about uh, the situation that he went through. We've talked about it on the show in the past that he um, nearly lost his life. 
if, and if not his life, his limb. His, his leg. Limb. Yeah. And here he is back out on the football field again. There's a lot of guys that would have never set foot on a football field again, but he made it his mission to get back out there, and he played at an extremely high level. He had taken yes. that job away, but he got injured, other leg, and not able to play. And, you know, we talk about this a lot, the character. There's a lot of character in Alex Smith, and you're, you were never going to see a picture of Alex Smith maskless with a stripper sitting on his lap. That was not going to happen. I, so. I, I really think, in all honesty, that is the case for 98% of these individuals. It's that very small minority that casts a bad light on how the operative goes when the games aren't being played. Alex Smith, though, is tough. He is just plain tough. He was at Utah. He is in the NFL and was with the Chiefs mm-hmm. and had the Chiefs in very high position. It wasn't necessarily his fault that they did not succeed. He'll, he's a winner. He's yeah, a winner yeah. and he's tough. And I think he has gained command of a Washington ball club that needs somebody to lead them because they aren't really that bad. And Dwayne Haskins needs to learn a little bit more from Mr. Smith. We're about 10 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Partly sunny this afternoon with a high of 49 in Kansas City. Not quite as nice as it is here. It's 46 and sunny right now, so weather should not be a factor in today's game. Let's check in with Nett Reynolds one more time and find out about who his player of the week is. It's brought to you by Mid-Missouri Bank. I can remember games with the Kansas City Chiefs at this time of the year on the regular season schedule when the temperature was 49 below zero. Uh, now this four, hey, 49 is balmy. That'll be a nice day. That won't bother anybody. Falcons, Chiefs, fans, nobody. That's a beautiful day for football. My player of the game today is going to be McCole Hardman. The reason I'm picking him is because I think Tyreek Hill's playing time will be very limited. I think the rushing game for the Chiefs will be a secondary factor. And why is that? Because the Atlanta Falcons' pass defense is next to last in the NFL. Next to last against the best player in all of pro football? Oh, my goodness sake. Look for a high-scoring game because Atlanta can score, too. Matt Ryan has some very good receivers out there in Kansas City's defensive backfield. While it is good, it is not great, and a guy like Ryan can pick them apart and score. Case in point, 17-0 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week, although they did lose the game. So I'm, I'm going for a high score today. Uh, 54 is the over-under. Kansas City is anywhere from a 10.5 to an 11.5 point, depending on what book you're going through. A substantial favorite, obviously. And I think the Chiefs will cover that spread and win. And it may be, though, a high-scoring game like a 45 to uh, maybe a 45 to 31 game somewhere around there. Stormy, who's your player of the week? Well, I've been on the defense a lot with what I've been talking about today, so I'm going to stick with Trayvon Matthew, and uh, I think he's developing into a different kind of player than he has been in the past, and uh, hopefully that evolution continues on his part. And uh, I, I'm i going to go just barely under the over-under on this one. I think they'll have the score right up there around 48 total for both teams. So I'll go with Travis Kelsey. I think that's a safe pick. Safe pick. I just think there's nobody that can – it just amazes me each and every week how open Travis Kelsey can get. And no, no wait, though. No wait. 
the obvious pick is Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, we, I, well, yeah, but that's Patrick. And he gets picked as player of the game, game one of every season, and then it's somebody else. You have to, you have to widespread this whole thing. You, can, you just well, – you, you've got three guys on that Chiefs offense that you cannot do anything about. Tyreek Hill gets shut down a little bit sometimes, but he eventually gets a play where he breaks open. Patrick Mahomes, like you said, the best player in the NFL. He is by head and shoulders the best player in the NFL. But Travis Kelsey never ceases to amaze me. I mean, I just can't. He finds spots that he gets open, and then his ability to run after he catches the ball is just amazing. He doesn't lumber like a lot of other tight ends in the game. He gets down the field and makes some impressive plays. Well, Joe, I'm going to tell you why, too, because of what he is. A tight end, and he is big, and he is rough, but he is also benefiting from playing in that system. If he were with another team, it would be a whole lot different story. What he is doing and the routes that he is running in this ballgame are often secondary to the primary receivers being out there deep. Because Mahomes knows if he has that protection, he can find somebody. He rolls to the side. Hey, there is Kelsey, who's always going to be free. Yeah, he's a fine tight end. Don't make yep. no mistake about it. Maybe, although Tony Gonzalez was one of my particular favorites, uh, certainly one of the top tight ends in uh, with all in all of Kansas City Chiefs history. There were others, Freddie Arbanis, in there as well. But the fact of the matter remains that he. I really feel like he benefits from the system they run. You got the Chiefs today, obviously. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Stormy, Chiefs, you got the Chiefs. Yes. I'm taking the Chiefs, too. Get set. The pregame starts in about 30 seconds. I want to say thanks to Stormy, Ned. You guys have a happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year, year I'll see you in the very near future. I want to say thanks to Scott Meyer, Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, and Nick Fury. Pregame getting ready to start right here on 104.7 The Cave. Come on,